is a presence and a power of God that's in this place this morning. And we need to just entertain that presence right now. If we could just take a moment, each one of us individually and collectively as a body, if we could just entertain his presence, if we could just lift our hands, lift our hearts, lift our voices and just worship him and just thank him for visiting us today. Father, we love you today. Lord, we thank you. Lord, you dwell in each one of us, Father by your spirit and power, but your presence is mighty in this place today. Father, it is your will, your plan, and your purpose, O God, to move among your people each and every time we come together, Father, each and every time we join together, each and every time, Lord Jesus, that we come, O God, together in in one place, whether it's here or somewhere else, O God. It's your will, it's your plan, O God, to enter in, O God, where there are two or three gathered in your name. Father, we need your presence here today. Lord, I need your presence. The people need your presence. Uh, We need your anointing upon our ears, God. We need your anointing upon our minds. We need your anointing, O God, upon our lips. Uh, We need your anointing upon this place, O God. We need your anointing upon our pastor today in the name of Jesus. Your mighty healing virtue, Lord, to fall down upon him right now, Lord. Wherever it is that he's at right now, Lord Jesus, that the presence and power of Almighty God would enter into that place, O God, in a mighty way, Lord Jesus, and begin to heal that body right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Every one of us in this place, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that through the night as we slept, you allowed us to breathe and to and allowed our hearts to be we didn't have to think about it oh god you allowed us to have life and breath and health in us today lord you've given us ears physical ears and physical eyes to hear and see with lord jesus we pray that you would give us spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to hear and to see in a in a mind to receive and to understand oh god what is the length and breadth and height and depth O God, of your plan and purpose and will and your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you for 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 coming into this place, O God, in a mighty way today, Lord Jesus. O God, that you would have your way among your people today. Have your way in this place today. Not my will, Lord, not my will. Not my will, not my way, not my plan, O God. Your ways are higher than our ways today, God, and we thank you. Oh, God, for entering in with us into this place today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to have everybody here and everybody online that's joining us this morning. And uh, our pastor is not doing well. And... uh, He's just got a little bit of flu bug, I think, and so he asked me to fill in, and so uh, I'd much rather have Brother Becker here, our pastor, but God has so ordained it for me to be here today, and and so I just need you to pray for me as I'm attempting to speak what he has given me to say to you this morning and uh, later on, and so, amen. God is great, isn't he? He is. He is awesome. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's I guess I'm not bragging, but it's a good thing I have a life of prayer. And, you know, it's not like like our pastor alluded to. Our flesh doesn't necessarily like to pray. 
But our flesh doesn't like to humble it. Our, we don't like to humble ourselves and do the things that God requires us to do. We'd rather be comfortable and do what we want to do. But I'm thankful that I that I'm able and I'm, and I can hear the voice of God prompting me to turn the radio off in the truck and just to pray and and prompting me when I'm at work to just go find a place to pray because it. You know, God, we don't know it sometimes, but maybe God's preparing us for something. You know, you can't you can't take money out of the bank if you don't deposit some in there first. Right? <laughs> if you try to do that, <laughs> I got accused of something called check kiting once. I wasn't doing it, but the bank thought I was. And so I had to convince them that I wasn't. I didn't even know what it was. I had to ask them, what is that? I don't even know what that means. You flying a kite? I mean, I'd never heard of that. But it's a form of stealing between two banks, check kiting. And so you got to have some money in the bank. And it's going to take, like our pastor already said, getting along with God. It doesn't mean that you don't love your spouse or your kids and or anything. It's just sometimes you just need to get some alone time. And uh, amen. There's lots of people in this world today with all this technology that we have. I read about a a journalist that took all of his iPads and everything and locked them up in his house and went to a cabin for a whole month and didn't look at any internet, didn't look at any email, just got away from it all. And he said, he came back after a month, he said it was the best thing he ever did to get away from all this stuff. Because it's a distraction sometimes from God speaking to us. we got to be careful. And so we're going to have a, I don't know if this is going to last the normal time, but just I'm just going to let God lead me and and hopefully when he tells me to shut up, I'll shut up. <laughs> That's why I need to pray for you. I need you to pray for me. So I don't wear out the saints. <laughs> Hallelujah. I sort of got this gift from my mother. <laughs> Not telling on my mother, Sister Bell. <laughs> I was her first, so I guess that's what happened. So praise God. So we're going to talk this morning about a subject uh, and the title of, of this, I guess, it's called Tapping Into God's Faithfulness. Tapping Into God's Faithfulness. And I'm sorry there's no papers, but there was just no time for that. So if you got a paper Bible, you can look at that. That's your paper. Amen. And so when I first got in church, uh, I noticed one of the people in the church had a little uh, steno notebook. And a pen, and he always had that out when there was preaching, and he was always writing stuff down. And I thought, well, because how do you learn how to to be apostolic? How do you learn how to be a good saint? You kind of look around at the the ones that you think are the faithful saints and see what they're doing, right? I, I used to do the financial peace thing, and one one time Dave Ramsey said this: If you want to be successful, go find somebody successful and hang around with them. And see what they're doing to be successful. And whatever it is they're doing, you do it. That doesn't always work in the kingdom, but in the natural, that works. If you want to be a successful 
real estate agent, go hang around the guy that's got the most business, and so on and so forth, right? And so I'm always taking notes. If you ever see me with my phone or my iPad up in church, I'm not texting somebody. I'm actually taking notes. Because <laughs> God will speak. Does ever God ever speak to you while while the preacher's preaching and you just like, man, if I don't write that down, I'm going to forget it. Cuz it's a different revelation that he's given Sister Bell that he might give you, Sister Sonia, and something you just went, "Wow, that's just way, whoa." You almost want to ask him to repeat it. <laughs> and God's awesome that way, isn't he? Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verses 15 through 19. Amen. God bless you right back there. In Jesus' name. Tapping into God's faithfulness. Starting in verse 15 of Genesis 17. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall, be her, shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, kings and of people. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Have you ever done that? When God said something, you just had to chuckle like, and say like, yeah, right. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Anybody ever done that besides me? You you must be talking to somebody else, God. You you can't be talking to me. You can't be asking me to do that. But it says that Abraham, this was not a young man. He was an elder man. And But in the face of, of the God who had told him to leave his dad and his family and his city and just start walking... The God that he trusted to to get up and do that, how do you how did he know that was the voice of God and not his own brain talking to him? He somehow he knew that was the voice of God. But yet in the midst of this promise and this this word from God, he laughed and it says here and said in his heart. Anybody ever said anything in your heart? You never said it out loud, but you thought it right. And you can't you can think it in your heart, but you can't hide that from God. The devil's not a mind reader, but God is. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that's sort of God like he's sort of asking you a hypothetical question that he already knows the answer to because he answers that only God knows your heart. Really? Only he really knows what's in there. You might be thinking you're hiding it from, and you might be hiding it from everybody in the room, but you're not hiding that from God. And if if you don't get that out of there, God's going to get that out of there for you. Right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to get want there to be anything in my heart, in my spirit. I don't want there to be any grudge or any unforgiveness in here that's going to keep me from having that close relationship with God. It's just like having a close relationship with somebody and having a secret. It's it's going to get in the way. 
of that relationship being complete and whole. And so he said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? There's that, really, God? (laughs) Can you imagine, Sister Sonia, if God said to you, you're going to have a baby? (laughs) And you went to Brother Terry and said, hey, God spoke to me the other night. (laughs) And he'd say something like, he'd laugh just like we're all laughing and say, you just need to quit eating that pizza late at night, sister. (laughs) <laughs> or quit eating those hot, those chili dogs at night or whatever. We would laugh, wouldn't we? Just like Abraham did. <laughs> if you didn't notice, God, I'm a hundred years old. Hundred year olds don't have babies. Right? And there's a physical, physiological reason for that. Things just stop working. Like you have to tell God that. Right? And so he said that to God. He said it in his heart. And he said, And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear also? God, we're too old for this. Isn't that what they were saying? Have any of us ever said that? Can't you just find somebody young to do it, God? You know, we had that missionary in here, Brother Bracken, a few Wednesdays ago. From Taiwan, former Navy SEAL. I guess he's still a Navy SEAL, but he's 70, mid-70s. And I said, so what? what's your all's plans? Because I've, I've known him since forever. He said, we're just trying to find the will of God, and they don't even know where they're going to plant themselves right now. They're not necessarily going to plant themselves around family because he feels like That there's more that God has for him to do at 70-something years old. So he's not, in his mind, he's not retiring yet. He's just retiring from that. God told him to hand that over to his son and move on. But God didn't tell him to just stop being a a preacher, not being a a voice. And so I believe that God is going to plant them somewhere. And they might might be up in their their mid-70s, but God's going to use them. So, you know, to God, really, age or what your internal organs are are like at that age doesn't matter to him. It doesn't matter to him. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And Ishmael was what? Man's attempt at trying to help God perform his will. (laughs) do we do that you don't have to say yes i'll say it for you yes we do we do that let me help you out here god (laughs) that's not really how we would do it today god let me show you how we do it today in this modern day like god doesn't know right (laughs) do you think god knew what an ipad was before Steve Jobs did of, of Apple. <laughs> you think he knew that? <laughs> you think he knows when some young couple comes in here that's not married, that's shacking up, that has a child out of wedlock? Do you think he knows that? 
And when he fills them with the Holy Ghost anyway, you think he knows that? Of course he does. Or they're covered from neck to the ankle with tattoos. Do you think God already knows that? Do you think he cares? Not really. Because we don't give him the Holy Ghost, do we? He does. And the but to be quite honest with you, some people like that would come in here and we would deem them as not worthy. Wouldn't we? We would judge them in our mind. We would think it in our heart like Abraham did. Not them, God. We don't want them around here. Fill them with the Holy Ghost somewhere else, some other church. <laughs> like we know better than God. I know that hasn't happened here. I'm just giving you a scenario. Because by and by, as this world becomes more wicked and more wicked, the church is going to need to be the church. And God is going to send people to us that are not going to look like us. Period. End of story. Not even close. And they're not going to look like us for a little while. And if some of you went overseas to some of our churches over there in Africa and places like that, none of them look like what we look like. And they've been in church 10, 20, 30 years because it's a different culture. That doesn't make them any less holy or any less anything. So God, he knows we're flesh. We're going to chuckle at things that God says to us. (laughs) God, I'm not Wisconsin, really? (laughs) You know my mom's not going to like that. (laughs) And they still don't like it. And if I was to be honest with you, I'm starting to like it. At first I didn't like it. But, of course, you know, Abraham probably kept turning around looking at his, where he was coming from going, are we sure about this? Sarah was probably going, you sure you heard from God? Because we're human. We're flesh. We do that. We question. You sure, you sure, Abraham, you just didn't stay up late? You know, eating some locusts or something? Didn't have pizza back then. So it's okay to question God. And to say, are you sure about this? You, you you sure me? You're asking me, me God, to do this. God, I'm I'm not. You know, we do that. Ask that younger generation to do it, God. And Abraham said unto God, "Oh, I read that already." And God said, "Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son, indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac." What's the name Isaac mean? He laughed. (laughs) God named the son after the dad, I think, because he laughed. Oh, you're going to laugh at me? I'll give you a reminder because just like the Japanese, they were all, the names that they gave were all about meaning of the name, not just throwing a name on somebody. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God was stating a fact. He was telling them, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how it's going to happen. 
and you and Sarah are going to have a child. And it's not going to be Ishmael, your attempt to try to help me to accomplish my will. It's going to be the way I want it done. It's going to be through who I want it done through. And you, Sarah, and you, Abraham, are going to be the vessels that I use to bring this to pass. And so God is, was able, amazingly, to make both of them fertile so that they could get pregnant and have a child when they thought that all those days were gone. They've lived well past that point in their life. So God can do anything. He's capable of doing anything. That wasn't just for Sarah. He could do that today if he wanted to. If he needed to do that to to fulfill his will and to, you know, he needed Isaac to be born so that Isaac's, through Isaac's lineage, we would have all of the 12 tribes of Israel and all these things that we have now. And, And they were just nobodies. They were just, nobody had ever heard of Abraham until God called him. And Sarah, nobody had ever heard of them. We wouldn't be reading about them if God hadn't had somebody write all that stuff down so that we would have a record of what happened. You know, and we look back at, at like the church in Alexandria, Louisiana, and G.A. Mangan, and nobody would have ever even heard of him. Had he not just simply heard from God, and told his wife, we're moving to a place called Alexandria, Louisiana. And they didn't have a GPS or anything, the Internet, to look it up on a map and see what the population was and all that. They just had to pack their car and go. And he went to that city and prayed and fasted for three weeks. And God said, I've given you dominion over the prince of this city. Go. Get out of your house and go. And he went through all kinds of stuff there. And they... The church kicked him out and voted him out and locked the door. And he went and broke the window and went back in the office and went back in the church and said, I'm not leaving. Just because you want to get rid of me, I'm not leaving. God sent me here. Thank God he did that. Thank God he did that. Because God said, no, you're not leaving. You think God knows what he's doing? That's what that's all these people I'm talking about, they just tapped into God's faithfulness. In Hebrews 11, verse 8 through 11. Hebrews 11, verse 8 through 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. This is a key right here. He obeyed. And he went. He went out. Not knowing whether he went. I had no idea when I came here what was coming. No idea how I was going to make a living. No idea where I was going to live. None of that. We had no clue. We left everything. Both of us left a really good paying job to come up here. But God already had everything worked out. Riding down the road with Pastor Parker one day through the south side of La Crosse, just driving past this house with this old sort of homemade for rent sign in front of it. I just said, stop. And he stopped. And I went in, and there's the landlord and his wife painting the apartment. Not, they didn't hire somebody. Him and his wife were in there doing it. And I just said, hey, I'd like to apply for How much is the rent here? 
he told me, and I couldn't believe it, $800 a month. I said, I'll take it. Where do I sign up? God was God set that up. Brother Parker and I weren't even out looking for apartments. It just, God knows. He knows. He just set it right there for me. He made us go down that road. But Abraham obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in a land of promise as a strange as in a strange country. That word sojourned there it basically means he dwelt at a place for a short time as a stranger. Now, I don't feel so much like a stranger anymore here, Sister Vicky, but there was a long time where I felt really out of place. And there was a long time where I, driving from here back to my house, I still questioned, are you sure I'm supposed to be up here? We do that. Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with, with him at the same of the same promise, for he looked for a city whose foundations with hath, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. It wasn't her. It had nothing to do with Sarah. She was just being like Abraham, obedient. Okay, God, even though I know in my flesh and I know in physiologically this isn't possible, you're saying it's going to happen. Okay, whatever you say, God. And uh, I'm going to read this same scripture in the Passion Translation, which you, most of you probably don't have, but it's a really good, I like it because parts of it, it's only in the New Testament, but it, it helps bring clarification to my mind. Of what God is saying. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. Leaving the familiar. When I was living in Louisville, I you didn't even have to I didn't have to have GPS. I could go anywhere in that city of a of almost a million people. Because I grew up there. You grew up here, Wayne, right? I grew up there. I could just, my, they called my twin brother the, the walking road map. Because guys he worked with for a cable company would ask him how to get somewhere. And he'd tell them in detail, road, street names, everything. Because you just live somewhere long enough, you, already, you know where the streets are. It's like you have a map in your head. And so that's what Abraham did. So he left with only a promise without even knowing Ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith. Verse 9, he lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land as though it belonged to someone else. He journeyed through the living, through the land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. His eyes of faith were set on a city with unshakable foundations whose architect and builder is God himself. You know, we have a vision beyond this building, or we should have a vision of where we're going beyond this little building we meet in every twice a week. We've got to have like a, a heavenly vision of where we're going. We should. And that's what Abraham did. He, all he was going on was the promise that God promised him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. 
And then there's places where he talked about that his, his, the results of, of Isaac would be like the sands of the seashore, innumerable. So verse 11, it says here in the Passion Translation, Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. Her faith embraced God's miracle power. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. The authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. They didn't make God make the promise. He just made the promise. And when God makes a promise, He keeps it. Right? When God gives a command, He means it. When God tells us to go somewhere, He means it. He already knows what's going to happen when we get there before we even leave. He already knows the result, all the results of what's going to happen when you get there. He already knows all the details. He's, he's the God that knows the end from the beginning, Bob. He knows the end of your life already. He knows the day of your death. He's there already. So it's not new. He's not waiting for that time to come. He's there already because he's the God that knows the end from the beginning. So he knows the outcome of the things that he's asking us to do. And we just have to trust Him. doesn't mean we have to like it. It doesn't mean we have to want to. It doesn't mean we have to care. But we do have to trust Him. And God's asked my wife and I to do that a lot. This, this trip up here wasn't the first time He asked us to basically sell everything, leave everything, and go. I don't know why he's asking me to do that. I, I didn't ask for him to. I wasn't expecting him. I was like, I'm just this innocuous little guy over here. I'm not one of those you know, well-known name people. Just maybe he'll use me someday, you know. And he's he's still working on me. He's still working some things in me and some things out of me. But I had to. I just had to do it. I knew I heard from God, Sister Bell. I knew it. I knew it wasn't me, and I surely knew it wasn't the devil. But that's all he gave me was just go and you will serve me there. That's all he gave me. That's the only word I got. No explanation. He didn't confirm it to my wife. And he had always done that before. I don't know why he didn't do that. Maybe there's a, there was a test there. What, what would I do? What would she do? How would we respond? How would we act? God's going to do this in your life. And we need to be sensitive to the voice of God, sensitive to the things that God is trying to perpetuate in our life and not miss those chances and opportunities that, and just blow it off as if it's just not God. That couldn't be God because I'm too old and there's no way I can do that. Right? We talk ourselves out of things and it's the will of God. And... My wife and I listen to a lot of preaching on the Internet. And this one guy that we listened to was, he was the home missions director for the northeastern United States at one time in his ministry. Like all of Maine, you know, all of that down into Maryland, Pennsylvania, New York. And so after he took that role and position, he and his wife and family decided one day to just take a drive up through there. And since God made him 
responsible for that. He felt like he needed to feel after God and feel, you know, drive up through there. So he's driving up through there, and he's driving through all these little towns like Tacoma, Sparty, you know, all these little towns, and there's no church, no pastor. And he's he starts getting a little aggravated, and he's like, why isn't there any people here? Why is there no churches? And God's answer to him was basically, I've called men, and they won't go. And that was like back in the early 80s when he did that. So can you imagine how many how many cities and towns and villages and places has God called men and they just said, I'm not doing it. I'm comfortable where I'm at. How many, how many of those places do we have today that should have a church and don't? Because somebody just wasn't willing to obey the voice of God and just pack their stuff and leave without any Additional details except go. Right? How many mission fields would we not have missionaries if they had just said, that's not God, that's just me. Right? Sarah's faith embraced God's miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and she was past the age of childbearing, for the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. And this is kind of where I got the title. And she tapped into his faithfulness. You know, God gives unto every man a measure of faith. Right? Is that true? So we all have, it's actually the Bible says the measure of faith. So to me, that indicates it's the same measure for everybody. Because God's no respecter of persons, right? So he gives you the same measure of faith he gives me. Gives you the same measure of faith he gives her. It's all a matter of what we do with that. You know, my wife and I were talking about the difference between equity and equality the other day. Those are big words in this day. <laughs> but God is no respecter of person. He gives each one of us an equal chance. Right? He gives each, everybody out there that's not here today, that's in these houses that live right around here, that don't go to church anywhere, they have the same measure of faith we do. What are they doing with it? But our faith is not in ourself, is it? It's not in my ability to serve God, is it? Because what has he asked me to do? Submit myself to him. So it's just like this scripture in the passion translation says she tapped into his faithfulness that's what our that's what exercising our faith to me is about it's trust it's putting our life and everything about us into the hands of god and trusting that he's not going to let us get hurt he did not let job get killed he let him go through some stuff he let him get boils all over his body. I've heard a story from one guy that had one boil. And they had to lance it and do all this stuff to get that thing out of there. And that was gruesome sounding enough. I can't imagine being covered in him. And having your own wife say to you, why don't you curse God and die? But God allowed those men like Joseph. You know, 20 years or so before Joseph actually got to see the fruition of his dream. David was running around getting chased by the king for 20 years and they were trying to kill him. Before, Even though he was anointed king, it, 
it was a long time before he actually got to hold the position. But he he held on to the fact that God had promised that he was going to be king and that God had sent that prophet to anoint him to be so. And God's been giving us promises that we have not seen come to pass. I There's things that men have spoke to me in services. One man came and spoke it right in my ear in the middle of an altar call. An evangelist. And I've never forgot those words that he spoke in my ear. I don't. I haven't seen that come to pass yet. That's between me and God. But I just believe that that. And there was another incident where a man spoke something to me about my ministry. And I haven't seen that come to pass yet either. But I got to resist the temptation to start thinking, well, you know, I'm getting older. I'm really old, Brother Terry. I'm, I'm 62. I know that's not really old, but maybe to you all it is. <laughs> but it's not really that old. And then I got a guy coming in here that's 73 that still feels like God's called him to do more ministry. That they're not just supposed to just hang up their spurs and retire. So who decides when I retire? God does. Who decides when I'm when I'm done? God does. Is this making any sense to anybody? Everything that we believe, our faith has to be centered in God's faithfulness to us. And there's nothing wrong, Sister Vicki was saying, now God, you said, and quote his word to him, you said right here, even though there weren't chapters and verses when he had them men wrote, write that, you said, he gets it, you said, you promised, you said, you told me if I, he, you're not offending God. You know, look at Moses and Abraham, how they talked to God. No, God, you know, you really don't want to wipe those people out, Moses told him. Because, you know, you delivered them out of Egypt. And, man, if you if you now wipe them out, the Egyptians that you delivered them from are still alive. And they're going to go, well, pff, that God can't even get his act together. He delivers them and then he kills them. Essentially, that's what he said to God. And God said, essentially, good point. Moses, you're right. I won't kill him. God lets us think for ourselves. Now, if Moses would have been way off somewhere in left field, God would have said, nope. Thanks for trying to stand in the gap for him, Moses, but I'm taking him out. But Moses had a valid point. God is a faithful God. And it's it's possible for him to call any one of us in this room or online when you're sitting there looking at yourself in your own virtual mirror and saying, there's no way. I've done too many bad things, Sister Bell. I've messed up. I've, You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come fallen short of the glory of God. I've, God, I've just, even though I've been had the Holy Ghost for 30 years, I've, I've really messed up. I, can't, I cannot see you using me, God. Who could have messed up? Who's messed up more than Peter did? Who has messed up more than that? After Jesus told him, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. 
You're going to deny me three times. I'll never deny you, God. And what did he do? And in one of those scriptures, it says that when it when the third time happened and the cock crowed, Jesus was, they must have been in, in a place where they were within eyeshot of each other. It says that Jesus looked over at him like, I told you. You wouldn't have believed me, but I told you. And Jesus, you know, you ever had somebody give you that look? That I told you so look, they don't have to say a word, right? That's the kind of look that Jesus gave him. And what did the Bible say? Peter went away and wept bitterly. What did he do? He repented. You're right, God. I'm wrong. I am so messed up, God. But look, you, you didn't take me out. You still And God still used him to preach that first message on the day of Pentecost. So even though you've messed up, even though you think you've just totally royally just messed everything up, God's still willing to use you. <laughs> Look at Paul. How messed up he was. He was he was so zealous for his Jewish religion that he was killing the Christians and he really thought he was doing right. And a person like that, that's really zealous like that, they really believe that they're doing the will of God, even though they're not. And so those saints that he was coming after and doing all that, they were praying. It says they were praying for him, I think. And I just honestly believe that they were praying for God to take him out. You know, God, that, that he's wicked, God. Just, just take him out so we don't have to. So we don't have to be persecuted because we don't want to have to go through anything uncomfortable. Because we're, you know, it's all supposed to be a bed of roses, right? Everything's just supposed to be wonderful, isn't it? Not supposed to have any more trials, tests, sickness, pain, disease, problems, pressure, none of that. Right? Now that we're apostolic, no. Most of the ones that are saying no, you're right. No, that's not true. And what did God do with a guy like Paul that was killing people like us? He turned turned that whole thing around and all he, you know God's just so amazing like with Sarah and Abraham. <laughs> oh he oh oh you're too old to have a baby watch this. <laughs> and that they had that promise I think for 25 years before it actually came to pass. And so can you imagine for 25 years going there's no way no way. And those Christians were like, there's no way. No way Paul is, is one of us now. No way. But God had a, an interesting way of getting a hold of Paul, didn't he? He just shined a bright light in his eyes and knocked him down and started talking to him. Could he do that today? There are people in other countries... Middle Eastern countries that were Muslims, that God spoke to them and told them who he was, and nobody ever preached this message to them, ever. They were just up on a mountain somewhere. <clears throat> God can do that. He doesn't need us. I mean, he, he wants to use us, but God can speak to somebody if their heart is right. And God spoke to, to Paul, and what did Paul do? He responded. Who art thou, Lord? And he answered him. 
if you're if you're serious, if you're hungry, if you're if you're desiring to know what God's will is, he'll answer you if you say if he asked you a question, you say, "Who art thou, Lord?" And he said, he answered him, "I'm Jesus whom you persecute." We brother Richard and I were talking about all these these men of God in this city that are sitting in their offices on the weekends studying to get a message and to preach to their people in whatever denominational church they're in, God can speak to those men. He can speak to those men or ladies. And that's what we need to pray. Just like with Paul. Pray, God, while they're studying your word, give them revelation. Open their eyes while they're sitting there studying the same scripture they've looked at a hundred thousand times and give them revelation. You think that would win a whole church? (laughs) It would do it. So our faith cannot be in our talents, our abilities, or our own human knowledge, intellect, or wisdom. Because where did if we do have that, where did it come from? What did Jesus say? All authority and power in heaven and earth is given unto me. All authority. Does that mean political authority? Like judges? Yes. All authority. All authority. If you're a judge, if you're a federal judge and you have the authority of a federal judge, that authority ultimately comes from God. And God has vested that authority upon them. And how you handle that authority will determine how God deals with you. Are we going to be given authority? We've been given authority. If you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you've got the name of Jesus applied to your life, guess what? You have the authority and power of Jesus Christ living right in here. Right here. Do we use the authority we're given? Or do we think the only people with authority are the ones that stand up here? (laughs) Do we? Do we? I'm just asking. You don't have to answer it. Do we? Well, I'm I'm just a saint. I don't have any authority. What? Yes, you do. You have you have authority to command, to cast devils out, to heal the sick, to raise dead. You have that authority to speak to a mountain and tell it to move. Jesus said that you have that authority. What if somebody doesn't have a preacher and they got a, a situation they got to deal with? How are they going to deal with it? They're going to have to speak by faith and say, God, this is what your word says. I'm going to command this mountain to move. Right? Because to God, we're all on the same level, right? There's no high and low, and you know that's what he was going after the religious Jews about. They they wanted to have certain ones that were elevated and certain ones that were down here, and and all that kind of stuff. But to God, when we stand before His white throne judgment, we're all the same. It's not going to matter what our title in life was, is it? As he said, he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't hold one esteem one above another. He's looking at this. Not the beating one. 
He's looking at the inner man. He's looking at who we are in here. That's what he's judging. Every man, every woman, every child. He's judging us in here. And he must have judged Abraham and Sarah faithful. Even though they were probably human and making mistakes, he judged them faithful. And he determined that he was going to use them as vessels to perpetuate his will and his kingdom. So he can do that to us today. There, we don't have any, there's no, there's no limit to what God could do from the people in this room right here. Don't let the devil tell you that you've, you're past the point where God can use you. Don't let the devil tell you that just because you're a new convert, God can't use you. That's hogwash. That is total hogwash. Who do you think those people were on the day of Pentecost, those 3,000 that went out from house to house breaking bread and having fellowship? Who do you think they were? A bunch of new converts. And the Bible says that they were turning the world upside down. Right? Praise God. Let's all stand. I didn't think this would take that long. <laughs> God is so good. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to be in the presence of your power, Lord, of your spirit in this place today, Lord, that you have ministered something to somebody in their mind today, Father. And we pray your uh, continued blessing over the remainder of the service today as we come back in 15 minutes. No, 30 minutes. We'll be back in 30 minutes, right? Amen.